0: Integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Welcome back, everyone, to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Lindsay, and today I am interviewing Dr. Roney, and we are talking about a very hot topic, an integrative approach to weight loss, and I know this is going to be such an expansive episode for everyone tuning in because what we do is we really contrast a conventional approach to weight loss versus an integrative approach, and we really discuss the gaps that are often missing in a conventional approach and how integrative medicine really fills those in and gets us to a point where weight loss isn't even something we it's more of a byproduct of living a healthy life it becomes so so much easier so we address things like underlying gut infections subconscious beliefs the impact our emotions can have on weight loss things like adrenal fatigue, thyroid problems, cortisol issues, blood sugar issues, and how all of these can really, really be hindering you in your weight loss journey. And Dr. Roney does such a fantastic job of breaking each of these down, explaining how each of these can impact us in our weight loss journey. And then we focus on, we touch on dieting, diet culture, intermittent fasting, the in nutritional or sort of dietary habits that Dr. Roni would recommend versus just a strict diet. He touches on several sort of baseline supplements that he would recommend to most people to address inflammation in the body and then gut issues So it's a really well-rounded episode. We go very in-depth with many of these things, and I just hope each and every one of you enjoys this. If you do, please consider leaving us a review on whatever podcast app you may be listening, as well as sharing this interview with someone else who you think could benefit from it. So thank you again for tuning in, and please enjoy this interview with Dr. Roni. Well, Dr. Roni, welcome back to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast.
1: Uh, Always happy to be here. I love this. Yes. Well, today,
0: this is going to be more of a hot topic, I guess, because we are discussing an integrative approach to weight loss, Mm -hmm. which we know weight loss is such a heavily discussed topic, but I think it'll be really interesting for the listeners, for our patients to hear and really see the difference between a more conventional approach, and mm-hmm. then more of an integrative approach. Sure,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think that comparison is is significant, and then uh, allowing uh, our audience to understand how we can get to that goal. Um, but also, we'll get into what the goal really should be, and then how to achieve that. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So I can we start with what is the conventional approach. And I'm sure many of the listeners might even know because they've gone through it, but sure. let's start there. And then we'll look at, okay, where does integrative medicine kind of fill in the gaps?
1: Sure, sure. And I think it's a good parallel to just the conventional approach in general to any anything. I think there's a lot of band-aids out there and short-term fixes in the conventional world. It could be fat burners, it could be synthetic hormone replacement, uh, I mean, there's a number of different things that I think are used, but as will I think parallel will be able to show that this this weight loss is really, I think to start it off with a with a good mentality, is more about achieving better health and looking at a checklist that determines if a patient is functioning at their highest level. Beyond Uh, food that goes in beyond the calories, and we'll talk about that as well, I think sometimes it's an easy road Mm -hmm. uh, to get in the conventional model. They try to make it as easy and uh, non-active as possible. So it's passive. Mm -hmm. You just take this stuff and you're going to lose weight. The main problem that I see with that, which I think everybody will kind of relate to, is there's no long-term solution there. It's very short-term. And so nothing really changed as far as habits, nothing really changed as far as your metabolic function. So the weight typically is just a yo-yo, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's a yo-yo diet or whether it's, I mean, there's so many different concepts that I see that fail, but they fail because there's not a long-term health approach. Mm-hmm. It's short-term weight loss. Once somebody gets to that, that number, then what? Typically, yeah. it's going to come back because there was nothing really established that was healthy.
0: Yeah. And I think one, one thing I want to address, too, is it also comes to this sort of pervasive idea in society that if you're thin, you're healthy. Right. And, Great you point. know, 100 percent, you can be physically look thin and right. actually have quite a few underlying issues, which are eventually going to manifest into a very real disease.
1: A- absolutely. And, and that even goes to uh, somebody that. You know, I, I talk to patients all the time. They're like, "Well, I have a friend that can eat whatever they want and do whatever they want, and blah blah blah," and they still don't gain weight. It, uh, what I have to do is kind of shift the paradigm. That person that's doing that is still doing significant damage to their body, right? Mm-hmm. Which then will catch up with them at some point. It's almost a guarantee. There, I call it rules and exceptions. There are exceptions to that rule, but very, very few. What's going to happen to that person is no matter what, that lifestyle will catch up to them in some type of chronic disease fashion. So, you know, that, that, that first part of it is to your point, yeah, we see that, but at the same time, we, what we're trying to do as a clinic overall is really set the mind or the paradigm a little bit differently that the end result is health, Mm -hmm. right? So I have a 22-year-old daughter. So growing up, I know that, you know, with especially young girls and and in their adolescence and so forth, there's that image, right? That body image, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you've gone through it yourself. And what I tried to teach her from an, a very early age is never about the number on the scale. It was about at your cellular level, are you doing things that the research shows that even personally I'm teaching her uh, to achieve optimal health? Mm-hmm. If you are, it is, uh, I'm not worried about necessarily the scale, I'm worried about your cellular function and are you doing things that are keeping your inflammation low that will keep your thyroid functioning well, your hormones in balance, your your adrenal glands working well, your blood sugar stabilized. And then if you're eating healthy every day and getting your good exercise in, I know it's cliche, right? Mm -hmm. But then you know you're achieving health. And the scale usually will will see that. So you don't have to worry about the weight you worry and focus more about the process, right? So I I, I think that's important for everybody to understand. It's
0: funny you bring it up because for me, so I was a competitive soccer player all Mm -hmm. my life, went to university, played soccer there, played, played soccer in Spain for a time, and you have this sort of drilled into your mentality. You have to kill yourself every day working out. You have to starve yourself with diets, whatever, this and that, and it's funny because even though I was so active through college, I found it hard to get to a weight I wanted to be at. Granted, mm-hmm. that shouldn't have been a focus at all. But, sure, but after after I had to you know, quote unquote retire from soccer due to one too many concussions,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I I just started listening to my body. I was eating so much better. I was doing really gentle like bar workouts, and without even trying, yeah. I just met my optimal weight. Sure, absolutely. And so, just the message there is sometimes if you just give your body what it needs. Yeah. Oftentimes the weight gain or the weight loss happens without even thinking about
1: it. Exactly right. We want it to be, uh, with the way we're going to teach through this podcast even, we want it to be an outcome, right? Not a goal. Mm -hmm. It's just a byproduct of healthy living. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference if going back to your initial point or question about conventional. I, I just feel like it's not a lifestyle. It's just a quick fix in any way, shape, or form to get you to a weight that you want to get to, as opposed to teaching you all these processes of health. Mm-hmm. And um, and I I was taught years ago it's an exercise, but I always I always convey this to the patients where think about the end, right? It sounds a little gray, right? It sounds a little dark, but think about the end of your life, right? And hopefully it's a long, quality filled life, but how you want to look, right? And how you would like to go out, so to speak. And when you really think about it, my personally, I just share this all the time, I would just like to and I think this is everybody's goal, just go to sleep and not wake up one day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not have to suffer and go through, uh, you know, these chronic diseases or chronic illnesses that are so prevalent today. And I don't know if I can achieve that, right? I don't know if that will happen. But I'm doing everything I can with that mentality in mind. So I work backwards. I want to be healthy. You know Mm -hmm. as as i age you know i'm 50 now i get to 60 70 80 i still want to be extremely active i want to wake up every day with good energy because that's normal Mm -hmm. common is all these you know issues that we see today that the doctors in conventional medicine will tell you well that's just normal Mm -hmm. it's normal aging it's not normal it's common but it's not normal so i i've i've not accepted that personally And I try to articulate that to the patients because I don't want them to accept it either. Don't think that your aches and pains and your fatigue and things like that and your weight gain is normal. Mm -hmm. It's not normal. There's something going on metabolically that we have to identify. And of course, we have to look at your calories or what you're taking in as far as number of calories. We have to look at your what you're taking in food-wise and your ratio of fats and proteins and carbohydrates and, and so forth. And we'll get into that a little bit. But I think big picture is look at the end and, and determine how really do that exercise and determine how you would like to act, think, and feel towards the end and that's your goal Mm -hmm. right that should be the goal and that everything else that we do backing up from that is going to determine that so what you do at 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 will determine that Mm -hmm. obviously the sooner that we can get on that track the better we'll be but i think that's a really that helped me tremendously kind of really put things into perspective it was never a a short-term goal it's a lifelong health goal that yeah. that set me on the right path.
0: Yeah. And then it made it easier probably for you to realize, okay, yeah, it's it's not just about doing a couple things to get a number to a certain point. Right. Now all of these other lifestyle things tend to make a little more sense.
1: Exactly right.
0: So let's let's dive into that. Yeah. When you've got a patient that comes in and says, "Okay, I want to lose weight sure where do you start
1: sure okay so the first thing I like to do uh, you know you, I heard this uh, growing up well this person's bigger they have a slow thyroid or something like that and, and you kind of I think people scoff at that right but in today's world these things these metabolic dysfunctions are so prevalent I like to at least start there like I would with any patient I want to see at the cellular level what How they're functioning. So we'll do, you know, your complete blood counts, we'll do a a complete metabolic panel, which tests their glucose, test their liver, their kidneys, their red blood cells, white blood cells, things like that. I get an overview uh, with those tests, if there's some roadblock, right? And then we get into testing more of their blood sugar, we'll test their adrenal glands, we'll test their thyroid, we'll test their hormones. And again, I want to make sure their endocrine system, which is their hormone-producing glands, are actually working the way they're supposed to work. Because if they're not, then we have to delve into that. I also will ask them questions about their digestive health. There's ample evidence that poor digestive health will cause and, and what they'll use the term dysbiosis, which is a uh, imbalance between good and bad bacteria. Um, and if they have candida overgrowth or yeast infections, etc., it's gonna be hard for them to lose weight because they're not breaking down, digesting and assimilating their nutrients properly. And also, you know, in, in conjunction with that, putting all those together first to see where we are metabolically I think is step number one and then we could talk during the consult I always talk about well what's the goal right what do you want to do is it all weight loss is it and I really try hard to shift their paradigm away from weight loss to better health Mm -hmm. and and I you know quite frankly throughout my career I would tell them if if I will help them shift their paradigm by teaching them because I think that's always you know we're teachers right, just like this podcast is teaching. But I don't want them to be focused on the number because I, I just I I don't want to say I wouldn't take them as a patient, but I really want to work hard to shift their paradigm. If they're in it for the long haul of getting healthier, then I'm I'm 100% willing to work for them. But I do have patients that will say. No, I just, it's the weight, the weight, the weight, And I'm never going to be successful. I, I tell them you're setting us up, not just me, but yourself up for failure. If that's the only goal. Mm-hmm. It, it just, I've, I have not seen it work well in 20 plus years of doing this. Yeah, right? that's
0: such a good thing to point out. So can we dive deeper into some of those contributing factors that you mentioned? I've yeah. Met, some people might know why an unregulated thyroid gland might contribute sure. to waking but if not can you dive into yeah. that i want to dive a little bit into underlying infections gut health
1: yeah yeah definitely so if we start and i'll give symptoms too so that so the audience can understand oh i may have some of that that i want to look into so one of the big things is is what they call dysglycemia it's when your blood sugar shifts from low to high so it will bounce up and down. Now, it could either do that, or it could be too low or too high. They call it hyper or hypoglycemia. But what we'll find with, with low blood sugar, as an example, is uh, we'll have uh, hangry, right? We'll get hangry, we'll get shaky, jittery, irritable. If I haven't eaten in a while, my blood sugar goes down. Then when I do eat, a lot of times I'll get tired and fatigued and I'll crave sweets. So that's probably blood sugar and the imbalances there. If you have those symptoms, it's going to be tough for you to consistently lose weight because you're either you're storing uh, you know, this sugar a lot of times, which then will turn into fat and triglycerides. So you could have a roadblock there. And then if we talked about cortisol and their, its relationship with insulin and blood sugar, there's really a one-to-one, you know, there's a very strong correlation, I would say, between adrenal function, cortisol, which is are your stress glands, mm-hmm. your fight-or-flight glands, right? So if I'm having, if I can't wake up in the morning, uh, slow starter, I get fatigued in the afternoon, I uh, have a hard time going to sleep or staying asleep, I find that, stressful situations i'm not handling well anymore or i'm have some anxiety your cortisol uh, and your stress glands are affected which will affect your insulin and blood sugar which will cause fat deposition Mm. right then if i have this cortisol issue going on most likely my body's going to have to compensate for that because the cortisol is a hierarchy hormone right if i start to um, have this cortisol issue I'm going to be stealing from Peter to pay Paul, meaning I'm going to start converting other hormones to keep up with my cortisol Mm -hmm. needs. And usually it will start to to, uh, decrease my progesterone levels and not necessarily increase estrogen, although that could happen, but it leaves me in an estrogen dominant state, estrogen dominance, or I would say estrogen in general, I use the correlation where farmers will give estrogen to their livestock. They'll produce more milk. They'll they'll gain more weight quickly. So it's a fat deposit type of hormone, if mm. you will. So a lot of and the only reason I mention all these is because a, a ton of people now have a combination of those things going on. Wow. And if if those are going on right off the bat, I mean, I have patients that will come in and tell me I'm eating 800 to 1,000 calories a day, and I'm not losing weight, and I'm still actually maybe gaining weight. And that's the first thing we have to look at. There's something metabolically going on there that's creating it. And typically, those four areas of the endocrine system most likely are involved Mm -hmm. to some degree. So we really have to look at that. Um, And, of course, when they give me their history and I start asking those questions, we go, okay, we have some metabolic dysfunction going on. So that's going to be a hard one no matter what you're putting into your body.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then let's dive into underlying gut infections. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. So uh, a lot of times in the gut, we'll find either parasitic infections, we'll find yeast infections or candida. Uh, We might find small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, um, but also within the gut, we'll also see problems with our uh, enzyme function where it gets a little low in the stomach, our hydrochloric acid gets low, so we're not breaking down foods properly. Then when it gets into the small intestine, we'll start to see if those infections are there. We'll start to see the dysbiosis, the bad versus good bacteria start to shift to the bad versus the good. And then leaky gut happens from that, which is they'll use the term intestinal permeability, where only food should get through the gut wall to feed our cells. But now a lot of things are getting through. Whatever's coming into our body Whether it's toxins or pathogens or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be, instead of going to the liver through the intestinal tract for detox, it starts to permeate through the wall, creating inflammatory processes, etc. So all of those things will definitely factor into some of these other things I talked about. That's where inflammation in general, we didn't touch on that, but inflammation in general... um, especially within the digestive system, being that it's 70% of the immune system barrier, will then cause thyroid issues, could then cause hormonal imbalances, adrenal issues because of the stress that's created. So the gut, in my opinion, is almost the first place that we look as as to regain health Mm. and, and to stabilize and balance that terrain. Uh, will help tremendously when when we're talking about uh, weight loss or weight gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's almost we said this before we started recording, but oftentimes weight gain or extra weight can just be a symptom.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Rather than an actual illness or problem all in its own, it's a symptom that actually something is off.
1: Yeah, and and to your point there, so the, the consultation or the evaluation process is, okay, tell me what you're doing. If somebody, I have patients come in and I know, uh, I, I know them fairly well and I know their personality type, they're working out consistently, I mean really hard. They're eating really healthy. I'll have them food journal. And, and I tell them just to be honest because I can't help them if, if, there's, if they're just, you know, uh, pulling the wool over my eyes, so to speak. And I look at what they're doing, and it's fantastic. And they're still having issues. So there I know right away, just to delineate when we get into some of these, you know, whether it's the gut or the thyroid or adrenals or so forth, if they're doing all those things and having problems we know we have to look further right now to contrast that if we have a patient that is definitely eating poorly over caloric intake Mm -hmm. uh just maybe just heavy on the carbohydrates heavy on the calories that's a whole different story Mm -hmm. right but even with that patient i'll still get into those questions on the other things because maybe with that patient as an example uh to kind of the audience will some of the audience will, will typically see this. They've tried so many different things that don't work. They just get discouraged. So that's somebody that too they will have probably metabolic dysfunction that's causing or won't allow their, their body to lose weight. So we really have to look at it. If I feel like they're functioning well, I'll look at just the foods and their exercise, right? And and a lot of times that takes care of everything. But then if not, we definitely have to go further. And if we don't clean up the further, right, mm-hmm. the thyroid, the adrenals, the hormones, things like that, and really reset, uh, we're, we're just at a disadvantage. We're probably not going to get a long-term positive effect. But even bigger at, to our point earlier, that person will still be unhealthy at a cellular level. And to me, that's, that's the number one job is to get them healthy and then i i do feel like with the right eating and the right you know the right the right structure on the front end as far as what foods go in the right eating you know maybe some intermittent fasting things like that and the exercise then everything's going to fall in line and they just have created really good habits with a very good mm-hmm. metabolic system yeah. that's what works it's not sometimes it's not easy and that's the part where it's different in the conventional model back to your original point it's very passive, meaning you go to a doctor, I need to lose weight, okay, take X, Y, and Z, whatever. Medications, fat burners, don't know, right? Nothing's going to change long-term. So the problem's going to, to, to perpetually exist. On this side of the fence, we wanna look at anything and everything to make sure that your metabolic engine is, is functioning at an optimal level that will allow you to have the body that you'd like to have. Mm -hmm. One's active, one's passive, right? We're active. I tell patients all the time, no matter what we're doing with them, our job is to guide them. We're like the GPS. Mm-hmm. Their job is to still drive. So they're still going to have to do all the work. We're just telling them what yeah. to do, <laughs> yeah. right?
0: Yeah, you're not in the passenger seat no. in a limousine. <laughs> not, not in functional medicine,
1: right? <laughs> which, which is why the teachings are so important because if you're doing it, and, and I'm sure you'll attest to this and the audience will attest to this, that if, if I'm going to do something personally, I need to know the why. Because if I understand the why, there's value there. And most likely, if I, if I understand it and it's solid, I'm 100% in. And I've heard that from a lot of patients. But if we're just saying, hey, do this, do this, do this, and not teaching them the why, the chances of follow through because there's no value there is very low Mm -hmm. so these these podcasts and the classes that we do and the teachings that you do or we're all trying to accomplish is so vitally important for the outcome in the functional medicine world because the patient has to do most of the work it's an active participation
0: Yeah, yeah yeah and i think unfortunately what happens very often in the conventional medicine world is you'll get a Band-Aid, but then they also won't explain anything on a deeper level. At least for me, what I've seen, I don't quite frankly see conventional doctors anymore, but in the past it would very much be, you're trying to ask questions, you're trying to understand, and you get met with a lot of resistance. Yeah why are you asking questions? You're not going to get this anyways. Oh, it's not important. Just you're, do this. You're a difficult patient. You're a difficult yeah, patient. Yeah, you exactly. think you know everything. Yeah, I'm right. the doctor here. So right. it can be really disheartening, even for the people who do want to understand. Often right. they're met with that too. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, no question. And, and, you know, I, I think sometimes, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of medical doctors and conventional doctors. I think there's some of that psychological teaching in that, in that environment to where they're on a, a top tier, you're down here, and, and it's like talked down mm-hmm. to a degree. Well, what they're finding today, in today's world, because, and I hear that a lot, uh, because they switch from the conventional model over to this integrative approach, simply because they're not being heard, right? Simply because they're talked down to, and they're just told, just go do this, don't ask questions, just do it. And I think here uh, we have to understand that. So we have to listen. That's our number one job. Listen and then go, okay, I hear what you're saying. Here's what we need to do about it. And here's the education that comes along with it to make sure. So again, it's, it's when we offer these classes, when we have these podcasts, I think the patients that do the best Really do a great job of informing themselves and they become their own best advocate. Yeah And and I think that's so important to the long-term outcome the ones that do the best just take on that role
0: Yeah, and everyone here. I mean really one of the mottos of the center is we are your partner. That's in right
1: health. That's exactly right. It has to be that way um, And again, you learn from experience. So we learn what doesn't work. I mean, Let's, let's talk about quick statistics in America. We're one of the unhealthiest nations in the world. We spend the most money on healthcare, care, trillions of dollars now. And we're, I think we rank of the 55 most industrialized nations. I think we're like 45, 46, 47. We have the most chronic pain, chronic diseases in the world. And we spend the most money on health care. So when you just look at those simple numbers, you know, whatever we're doing, it's not working. Yeah so it's time to challenge that it's time to you know and i understand you know i'm 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 out there a lot i have a lot of youtube videos and i challenge the system and i got i get a lot of heat for it mm-hmm. but you know i've learned look if, if you believe in something and i and i really truly from the research believe in what we promote that i'm okay with challenging the system because it will invoke change if enough of us with this movement invoke uh, or or Challenge the the system out there with this alternative system. Eventually, this alternative system should be the norm, Mm -hmm. and so it's a movement, right? It's a movement. I know we got off a little. No,
0: no, no. But it's good, and it's it's a really great point. And it that's one of the things I admire most about the clinic is you are trying to make truly being healthy the new normal, not just band-aiding. That's exactly
1: right. Which again, weight loss is a perfect parallel. To that concept where yes we could help you lose weight you'll get to the weight but if you haven't changed any of the metabolic function or any of the habits uh etc to to look long term at your health goals we're, we're probably going to be just a short-term band-aid mm-hmm. there's too many band-aids out there and there's too many people that get frustrated because they're they're using the band-aids and not their fault either a lot of times they're just—they just don't know where to go or what to do or, or where to turn to. So it's—it's it's that's in front of them. So they try it, and so again with these podcasts and our classes, if we can switch that mindset to um, outcome is dictated by doing the right process, then the outcome is going to be consistent all the time. Yeah. Big picture.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I also want to touch on is. I think a lot of people will find they're just having a really hard time being consistent. Maybe they're yeah. trying to work out or they're trying to eat healthy, they're having a hard time, yeah. and they take it on themselves as I'm just lazy. Yeah, sure. I just don't have the discipline. But sure. I really wanted you to share and touch on the fact that there's a very physiological thing going on, which is when we're addicted to certain foods, sure there is this survival mechanism in our body telling us we need these things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, there's a couple things to that. One of them is I'll tell my patients that I work with that come in with chronic fatigue and they'll come in with, um, you know, again, the weight gain, their fatigue though, their body hurts, etc. If, And most people have that because of these metabolic dysfunctions. So one of the things that I I let them know is we may have to work before we even get to weight loss or a diet or anything like that. When I say diet, I should say a meal plan because I'm not a fan of diets at all. But we may have to look at their thyroid, for example. So just thyroid uh, symptoms, fatigue, depression, weight gain. Right, or the number, the big three, constipation. I might see some hair loss, sluggishness, mental sluggishness, things like that. The thyroid is the metabolic engine. Thyroid uh, diagnoses are an epidemic rise, hmm. right? With the number one being what they call Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition that basically uh, the Pac-Man attacks your thyroid. You lose uh, the ability to make enough thyroid hormone, so we get hypothyroid. Right. Just as an example. So if I have a patient that's going through that, I have to take care of that first. So there's a pecking order. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can do all the great diets and all the great exercise you want. But if that's going on, we need to fix that. So the evaluation process is what could be going on that we might have to prioritize before we even get into good eating and things like that. Now we can do those simultaneously, but yeah, there's definitely going to be things potentially that we have to do first. So even exercise, some people are like, I'm too tired. Mm-hmm. I'm too, you know, uh, metabolically to your point, it's not their fault, right? It's, it's what, what hap- is happening in their body chemistry wise, whether that's affecting their, their neurotransmitters, dopamine, serotonin, their feel good hormones. They might just be down, And then they don't feel like doing these things. Well, those are all signs and symptoms that your body's not working well. So I'm not going to ask you to adhere to a diet and adhere to an exercise plan because I know in my brain, I know what biochemistry is lacking that will allow you to do that. So the best thing I could do is work on those first and give you more of a, a, hey, a reprieve, I guess. Don't worry about it. You know, this is what's going on. You're not lazy. You're not, you're not, you know, it's not a character issue or a personality problem. It's a true biochemical issue going on in your body that if we can get right first, it will allow you the feel good hormones, if you will, to be able to then follow through. So sometimes we put the cart before the horse and, and we go, okay, do all these things. The body's not able to do it because they're not functioning well. So that's a great point. Sometimes I have to slow them down, excuse me, slow them down a little bit, and I have to say, look, let's get this right. Just focus on this. As you start feeling better, then we could start working on the diet more. Then we could start working on the exercise more. But give yourself a little bit of a break because this isn't functioning well. And there's nothing you could do about it. There's no will power that's going to overcome poor biochemistry. Mm -hmm. It's impossible.
0: Yeah, and I love to give sort of the analogy of, it just, health can create either a downward spiral or an upward spiral. Correct. You know, we maybe we start eating kind of unhealthy, we start getting a little more sedentary, which then starts to create That's right. adrenal imbalances and thyroid Chicken imbalances. Chicken or the egg. Yeah, which then makes us crave those things even more and yeah. not have the energy or the or the motivation or the willpower, whatever, to sure. work out. And so it just keeps going it's down. A, it's but
1: a, it's, you're right, it's it a downward or, or upward spiral. It just takes
0: a to get that going up.
1: That's right, and sometimes you need the intervention of these labs and a a healthcare provider that understands where the roadblocks could be. So checking the roadblocks is the first step for everybody, you know, no matter what. So we could check them, we can go, oh yeah, you have this going on and this going on. Let's start working on gut health. Let's start working on your thyroid and your hormone balance and your adrenal glands. And sometimes there's band-aids there, meaning we might use supplements to, to be able to kind of kickstart everything. But if we work on the causes, which a lot of times diet and gut health are big rocks in the causes of these things. So if we start cleaning up what goes in, we start cleaning up the, the digestive system, which is 70% of the immune barrier, a lot of times other things fall into place. So there's a, there is a pecking order or a starting point for a lot of people. And again, if, if thyroid or hormones, we may have to just band-aid those for now. But the big idea is if we can fix the big rocks and then get the um the food right and get the exercise right and maybe some intermittent fasting etc then all of a sudden these other things will get better on their own and we don't need the supplements to band-aid and now your metabolic system is functioning really really well it's very balanced day to day there's not a lot of floors and ceilings distance between the floor and the ceiling and now all of a sudden you're like, okay, I've got my body back. I've got what I like to see in the mirror back and I'm working on it and it's actually working. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that is that and helpful I, to the... Totally. Yeah. And
0: I think it becomes easier and easier. You know, it's like saying, trying to lose weight before right. addressing some of these underlying things is like saying here's a mountain, I can go through the tunnel yeah. or I can try and climb over the mountain myself. Yeah. Yeah. And trying to lose weight without addressing these underlying things is saying, I'm going to climb over the mountain instead yeah. of taking the tunnel that I can just kind of easily walk
1: through. It's it's like, yeah, to that. it's like swimming upstream. Like you're constantly fighting a battle that you probably can't win. Uh, uh, you know, especially if the patient's been fighting it for a long time, there's definitely things going on that, uh, and to your point, even if they can't stay consistent, sometimes they can't stay consistent because they're on a roller coaster ride of thyroid, hormones, adrenals, blood sugar, and so some days they feel good and they do it, and then they go a stretch of three or four days where they're just tired and fatigued and achy and sore and they don't do it. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That, matter of fact, over my career, that's what I see most of. I see the inconsistencies which then weigh on the patient because they can't, they can't keep up with it, so they beat themselves up. What they don't realize is a lot of times the metabolic system is affected in a way that won't allow them to do it. So again, there's, there's justification there for a lot of people once we start looking deeper into this thing. Now, again, on the, on the front side, yes, uh, a good, not, and I know we'll probably get into this, but a good paleo diet, or something like that, which I'll explain in a minute, you know, intermittent fasting, we could talk about, um, your, your exercise routine and what you're doing, those absolutely matter, right? So if somebody's doing those three and they're doing them consistently, they probably don't have a lot of metabolic dysfunction and everything's working out for them. But if those three things are being done and they're so inconsistent because the way you feel or the way you're responding, then there's metabolic issues probably going on that Mm -hmm. we have to look further Mm -hmm. into.
0: which is just those issues are only going to get worse and worse if something doesn't change so it's like why not address it now it's got to be addressed at some point
1: that that and which it goes back to let's think about this getting you healthier as opposed to losing weight Mm -hmm. because if again if we reset a lot of these uh endocrine organs if you will and your hormones uh that are produced from those organs and we get the gut better and we get inflammation down, right? We get the liver processing and detoxing better. All your systems start to work better and now they're on a steady eddy roll. That's when this thing becomes much, much easier Mm -hmm. because then you'll feel better. And then when you're feeling better day in and day out, then you're able to do the diet. You're able to meal prep, for example, if that's what it takes. I'll have a lot of patients say, you know what? I, I just don't have the like the, the energy, if you will, or the determination in my brain to be able to meal prep on a Sunday and to be able to get up and go to the gym and do these things. Well, I get it. I mean, I get it biochemically. Yeah. They're just not functioning well enough on a day-in-a-day ba- basis because they have these other things going yeah. on. I think that's the biggest. There's probably health issues, right, going on. Uh, And then we have to make sure, or metabolic issues, I should say, creating health issues Mm -hmm. that are probably going on that's not allowing this thing to happen. And throwing a fat burner at it or doing an HCG diet or something like that, it's just, it's too short term. And I I frankly, I'm not, I just don't do those things because I just don't believe in them. I understand that your patient comes in, that's what they want. But there's a million other providers that could help them with the short term. I'm not interested, not because I don't care. It's actually because I care probably more than most. I'm not interested in just earning a dollar from you and then, but, but not being able to change your life long term. Yeah, exactly. And I made that decision years ago. But it does look like sometimes, oh, this guy, who's he think he is? He's not, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it happens, yeah. you know, you can't make everybody happy. But I have to stick to my guns that I know what I know what you want, but I also know what you need. Exactly. So I, I will give you what you want short term, but I have to teach you what you need long term in order to really get better and mm-hmm. get healthy.
0: I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get into diet. I also want to get into some supplementation. Yeah. Some of the mistakes you see people make, but first, yeah. And I think this is something we we kind of led into a little bit. Is there is also, and there can be oftentimes a very emotional component oh, yeah. to weight loss in in the sense that oftentimes we are subconsciously holding on to weight as a protective mechanism can you just touch on that a little bit i know that's a big topic no
1: yeah Uh, and and also we see uh, patients that use food they've been taught to either use food as some type of vice where they went through some traumatic uh, situations and food was their comfort and so they're they're afraid to not have that because of that traumatic issue or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Or, it became or, a coping. Yeah, it's a, it, they, they use it as a coping or they grew up, it's a socialization thing. It's it, There's so many uh, psychological or, or emotional factors to it, which is to that point, which is why we'll recommend at times, if I if I notice that in the consultation, and we'll ask those questions as well. Um, we'll refer them to either EVOX, some type of emotional counseling or training because we have to unravel that. Again, great point. I'm glad you brought it up because uh, we're always looking at the roadblocks that are getting in the way of the patient being successful at achieving better health. And if that emotional component is there for any reason you could put in into that, why it's there, whether it's trauma or situations that they grew up with or the attachment to the food, whatever it might be, we absolutely have to unravel that. And so whether it's Virginia Dixon, who's here that does EVOX and some of the emotional training, Liliana does some of that as well. But I think, and to Dr. Keneally's point, she believes any type of health issue, right, has this emotional component in it, mm-hmm. And again, whether that's the inability to lose weight or these metabolic dysfunctions, autoimmune, cancer, whatever it might be, these chronic issues have a major emotional component to it. And I didn't necessarily recognize that throughout my career, but I see it now and I recommend that type of training. I don't care who it is, who you have to speak to, psychology, EVOX, I, it doesn't matter definitely will get you with the right people to uncover whatever that emotional connection to the food is. So it's a great point because it's often overlooked.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they, especially with EVOX and with Virginia and the counseling, they're gonna ask questions like, do you actually feel worthy of losing weight? Do you, is this a protective mechanism? Did you have a traumatic experience where, you know, you were molested or you were raped and so this is a protective mechanism to keep you safe do you what did you see what was modeled to you is your family overweight do you do you feel that you're shamed when you talk about losing weight so it's all of this subconscious stuff
1: no question and 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 such a i'm glad you brought it up because it's such a and and sometimes i even neglect I, i get into such the metabolic part of it that I I may not think about that but it it is so so true that sometimes these emotional components are the biggest roadblock and unraveling it so again when we're looking at better health in general forget about weight loss or or anything like that the emotional component to better health is probably way up there I mean and again I didn't recognize it as such but now I see it as it's been pointed out more and more to me and I see it with the patients in fact whether it's cancer or autoimmune, I'll go through the checklist with the cancer patients as an example of what I want to work on regarding causes to their cancer, right? Mm-hmm. I I would say the emotional part of it, so when I go through everything and I talk about stress and infections and uh, gut issues, liver inability to detox, heavy metals, non-metal toxins, thyroid, et cetera, I go through that whole list and then I ask them point blank, I go, of that, of that list, Do you have any idea what you think could have created this? And I would say eight to nine out of every 10 people say, oh, yeah, it was the stress. So that you get that emotional component in there that's that's going to affect the body in so many different ways. And I think from a weight standpoint or attachment to food, no question. Mm -hmm. That's the best I could say. I said it's definitely high, high, high on the
0: list. Oh good! I'm so glad we could cover that. Yeah, okay, no, so great let's point. let's dive into dieting a little yeah. bit. In general, what is your take on diets? And yeah. you know, if you had to, you mentioned paleo earlier. If you had to, what would be some of the ones that you felt more comfortable? Yeah, recommending?
1: I I think um, so. Trying to keep it simple, right? So the most simple way I could put it, there's really it's twofold. One is if you're on a deserted island. Think about that. If, you sh- if you're if you a shipwrecked, right, which I know won't happen, but just, you know, good exercise. We get on an island. We're looking around. What could I eat? Well, the only thing I could eat is what the land provides me, right? I could pick it or I could chase it. So I can hunt down game, wild game, if you will. I could fish and I could eat those things. Or I could have my fruits and vegetables, my good fats that are available, whether that's avocados, if there's trees there and coconuts and, you know, whatever it might be. But just as an example, the one ingredient kind of farm to table, um, I don't care how you label it, but you just want to stay away from anything that comes in a can, a box, a bag they're all processed right for the most part but if if we're working in the perimeter of a of some type of grocery store we're probably looking at more of the fresh foods mm-hmm. right so that's the, if you can pick it or chase it i think that's a good a, just a good starting point then so if i'm eating that those one ingredient foods then i'm looking at my plate for example and i i like to have a good amount of fat a moderate amount of protein and a lower amount of carbohydrates. Always, mm-hmm. whatever I do, that's what I try to stay with. Now, am I going to tell you it's 100% of the time? No, but it's probably 98, 99% of the time that that's what I look at. I look at the fat component. What am I getting? How much protein roughly? And not, I'm not counting anything. I'm just looking. Okay, I'm getting pretty good amount of protein, and I'm keeping the carbohydrate count low which is your fruits vegetables some of your complex carbs like quinoa maybe some sweet potato things like that are are okay but i would say your your fruits and veggies should dominate mainly your veggies and some fruits should dominate your carbohydrate intake Mm -hmm. if you're following a plan like that you're you are going to do really well because they'll talk about i learned this years ago something called empty calories When you're taking in breads and cakes and cookies and crackers and things like that, they have stripped down the flour to a point of it has no nutritional value. So they have to add in things, right, vitamins and nutrients Mm -hmm. to help support your body. So it's really empty because when you add synthetic things in and they're kind of low grade, your body gets them so you don't get scurvy or you don't get some disease process, you know, there's there's low riboflavin issues and things like that. So they knew when they stripped this this flour down years ago that they were they had issues. So they had to add stuff back in. They're still empty. You'd rather get it from, you know, a good if we're eating meats, free roaming, free range, organic, let the let the animal eat vegetation and not let them get hormones and antibiotics and things like that. Now we get a meat that if we parallel hundreds of years ago, it's really more wild, right? And one of the things that I tell patients is that when an animal, whether it's a fish or a a mammal or whatever, eats uh, vegetation, they then convert that into omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3s are anti-inflammatory. So sixes and nines that are in the meats are, can be pro-inflammatory if we don't have a good ratio between the threes and the nine, sixes and nines. Well, in today's meat, there's typically a 30 to 40 to one ratio between the bad to the good oh, wow. omega, you know, your, your uh, fatty acids. But if you get free range, organic free roaming, you're going to get a better three to one, two to one, maybe four to one ratio in your your pro inflammatory versus your anti-inflammatory. So you're going to get way more anti-inflammatory. So the caveat that I talk about with meats is, yeah, maybe maybe once a day, once every other day, you know, you you add your fish or your meats in, but you have to make sure that you understand the benefit of free-roaming free-range. You're going to get less inflammation, it's going to be better digested, you're not going to get a lot of the other junk in there. So it can be it can be a healthy process. If you're not doing meats, that's fine. We can do, we can do more of a farm to table or, or, uh, pick it or chase it. And we could just use the uh, picket part and get our proteins that way, more plant-based. No problem. The idea is fats, proteins, low carb, Mm -hmm. every meal. Yeah. Lower carb.
0: Yeah. So two things to that. One, I eat strictly grass-fed, no hormones, no antibiotics. Yep all the things because i get sick when i eat conventional interesting my gut it's like i have knives in my stomach my digestion feels like it stops gotcha it's in my stomach for three days so i quickly not quickly but over time i realized that's what was causing it sure but then number two one of the things i love you point out is Most of your plate should actually be high quality fats, which is almost the exact opposite of what I think we've been taught.
1: Sure. Yeah. Going back in the early 80s, I know uh, those of you that are old enough to remember, they went from this low fat craze or they went low fat. And when you look at that and, and look at what's happening now in health one of the main things that skyrocketed is neurodegenerative diseases right your yeah. alzheimer's dementias things like that the brain is a lot of fat it's a lot of lot of fat it needs fat right so what happened was we went low fat which low fat meant high sugar mm. right so it, it the transfer of low fat went into the sugar sugar's probably the worst thing that you could put into your body, right? They talk about it constantly. Now, it's not bad when you have it in a natural form and you're and you're kicking out all the grains and processed junk, then we're not talking bad. But when you when you have this low fat but high carbohydrate whatever, you know, when we switched in the 80s to that, then we went we just went totally south. So the idea now is, you know, and this is a little bit difficult maybe for some to understand, but when we look at a calorie per gram of of protein or carbohydrates, right? There's four calories per one gram of protein, four calories per one gram of uh, carbohydrate, right? But there's nine calories per gram of fat. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean you're you're going to overwhelm your plate with fat because really you're doubling the calories. So your your plate can still look even between protein and and uh, fat. Got it. It might look a little bit lower on the carbohydrate end, right? So I like to follow, personally, I'm in that maybe 80, 20. I have 80% of my plate fat and protein, and and more dominant on the fat, Mm -hmm. and about 20% maybe of, of low glycemic, good healthy carbs. You know, your veggies, some fruits here and there, et cetera. I'll throw in some quinoa, I'll throw in some maybe some rice here and there, I'll throw in sweet potatoes, et cetera. Sometimes even a little bit of potato, but it just depends on our goal with the person. But that's a general rule of thumb. So think about this, if I'm eating farm to table, right? really the one ingredient foods off the land, and I'm proportioning them to some degree where I go, okay, I have my good fats, moderate protein and low carbs, and you're sticking to that pick it or chase it concept, you're gonna do great. Mm-hmm. And, and so those two concepts are what I would adhere to and I tell everybody across the board to adhere to unless we have to individualize it a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. And their lifestyle shifts. I think That's the, right. when you hear diet, it almost just the underlying tone there is that it's temporary.
1: Temporary, great point. Great point. Yeah, no, this is how I eat. This is how I've been taught to eat. This is what makes my body feel the best, where energy throughout the entire day is very, very high. Somebody once told me, when you eat, all that should happen is you should not be hungry anymore. When you (laughs) don't eat, all you should feel is hungry. That's it. If you feel anything else, either way, whether I don't eat and I get really shaky and jittery and irritable, there's a metabolic dysfunction going on. Could be adrenal related, could be blood sugar, definitely blood sugar, but there could be causes. If I eat and then I get tired and fatigued and I and I crave sweets, there's something going on. So eat, not hungry. Mm-hmm. Don't eat, hungry. That's it. That's when you know your body's functioning really, really well. So yeah. that's just a good check and balance yeah. as well.
0: Oh, that's a really great way to put it, actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now kind of closing it out. I know yep. you've got patients to yeah, go see, yeah, yeah. so I don't want to keep you, but... What about, I know this can be really individualized, but in general, are there any supplements, perfectly healthy supplements that you find can just assist people in this journey?
1: Yeah, I mean, going back to assessing different systems of the body, right? So meaning if I look at their inflammation and I know their inflammation is up, the one of the first things I wanna do is start to bring that down. So I wanna pour some water on the fire. So the way I explain it is there's fuel and there's fire. If your fire's up, it's because we have too many gasolines stoking it, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing, I'm a big fan of lowering inflammation. So I usually recommend turmeric, resveratrol, vitamin D, glutathione, if you're not a cancer patient, glutathione has a little bit. We have to talk about that, but just as a caveat. And then I might recommend the omega-3s too. So there's a go-to five things that I'll recommend to make sure that our, our, our inflammation is down, mm-hmm. right? Go-to. All my athletes, all, anybody that asks me what should I be taking, things that knock down inflammation, and those are great for mm-hmm. it. The second part is if I'm finding these fuels to the fire, So we'll work through the number one area I work through, unless they're having major symptoms of the thyroid and the adrenals and things like that. I may Band-Aid those early because, like I said, I have to get them feeling better first. But gut health is going to be paramount. So digestive enzymes, pre and probiotics, uh, things that help repair the mucosal lining. like I use a lot of times Enzymax Pro from Apex. That's a digestive enzyme. I'll use uh, Megaspore probiotics from Microbiome. I'll use Repairvite from uh, Apex Energetics, which has L-glutamine, aloe vera, marshmallow root extract, these things that help leaky gut. And then, of course, if they have infections from our testing, then I'll put them on things for candida and or parasites, things like that. So I like to start inflammation and gut health. If I'm working on, say, adrenals, uh, adaptogens, like ashwagandha, cordyceps. So there's a product that I like to use called uh, uh, adaptocrine from Apex Energetics. I'll use aadrenal as well. And aadrenal will have the adaptogens in it, but they'll also have bovine cortisol. So I might use that product. Um, hormone-wise, we may put them on bioidentical hormone replacement depending. And it might just be progesterone to offset the negative effects of estrogen. Um I'm trying to think. So there's nothing that I give specific for weight loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. give it very specific for, let's get the systems metabolically better, and then we can maybe tailor down to what we're taking. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, we've got a diet, you know, a paleo-like diet going on. They're intermittent fasting, they're exercising. We've got them feeling really, really good and balanced as far as these endocrine organs. Now all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I've never felt better. My weight is I, I don't even have to worry about the weight. I don't even step on the scale anymore. I'm just functioning well and I feel great. Yeah. Done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, okay. So sorry, one yeah. more since you no,
0: mentioned it a couple times, but we didn't dive into it too much. Can you just briefly touch on intermittent fasting? Yeah.
1: yeah, very, very simple. 16 to 18 hours of fast time, six to eight hours of eating time. So I'll give you an example. Myself, I'll eat at 12, 3, and 6 to 7, somewhere in there, depending on what time I get home. And then I fast from no later than, I don't eat any later than 7, and then I'll fast all the way till noon again. So I get about 17 hours, roughly. Mm -hmm. So I've eaten 7 hours of the day, and I fasted 17. That's great. It's in that 16 to 18-hour window. And with that, I still have 3 square meals. Mm -hmm. So I eat at noon, 3 or 4, and 6 or 7. And they're, they're well-proportioned, paleo-like. I have good, good healthy um, fats, moderate protein. Most of the day, it's plant-based. I might do one meat a day. Some days, I don't do any meat. It might just be every other day. It just depends on what I'm eating. Yeah. But, but to, to that point, it could be nine to five, too. You could eat at nine, and then noon, and then five. And then you're done five to nine. That's a good eight hours of eating, 16 hours of fasting. So the times don't really matter when you start and stop, just as long as you have 16 to 18 hours of fast time. Excellent for the biochemistry of the body. Resets white blood cells, helps with inflammation, helps increase growth hormone, helps increase dopamine. I mean, all these great things are achieved with intermittent fasting.
0: Mm -hmm. So I have a little bit of a personal question sure. with that then because I do have adrenal issues and thyroid issues. Yeah. And I have tried the intermittent fasting. It makes me feel great, but I can't ever do it two days in a row gotcha. because I get <clears throat> I get really lightheaded sure. sort of out of you, it.
1: You probably get a bit hypoglycemic. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. So with that, there are things that we, you know, address it, looking at the adrenals and seeing where they are. Uh, and a saliva test is the best way, by the way. Saliva is 100 times more sensitive to cortisol. Oh, so wow. blood work, it's, it's very insensitive. That. And with that, real quick, I know we have to go, but a lot of medical doctors will say, although oh, adrenal fatigue is not even a, a, an issue, yeah. because when they test it on blood, the only thing that comes back is when it's a significant deviation, which is either Cushing's disease or or something called Addison's disease. So that's all they see. When you start doing saliva testing, which is 100 times more sensitive, you find functional adrenal issues. Not pathological, mm. functional. Mm-hmm. So if somebody has those high, low glycemic symptoms, like fit, uh, fatigue and, and hangry and jittery and shaky and lightheaded and things like that, most likely the adrenals are part of what's driving the low blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Real quick. Your cortisol should be getting glucose from the liver and pulling it into the bloodstream when you start going down. When you don't, it's gonna release other hormones, and that's what happens. So the cortisol, insulin, blood sugar connection is very, very tight. Mm-hmm. So we, we, in your specific case, we would just look at that on a, on a saliva test and see where things are, mm-hmm. and then start addressing that, which will allow you to go do more and more fasting. Great point, blood sugar may have to be addressed before we can intermittent fast. Okay adrenals may have to be addressed i should Mm -hmm. say so anyway good point great point yeah
0: yeah had to throw that in there yeah well dr roney thank you so much this was really i think in depth hopefully gave our listeners and our patients some really really great insight into yeah
1: hopefully and if anybody needs anything just holler you know we're we're, we want to help and that that doesn't just mean me that's not a bias that's that's all of us Mm -hmm. you know if you're having these issues and now you go oh my gosh maybe this is my problem come on in we'll help you out yeah yeah. yeah.
0: And for the listeners, there's always links in the show notes with our phone number, our email, and then of course, any products, articles, YouTube videos yeah. that can help.
1: Nothing but education and information. That's what I think is going to win and help uh, the patients uh, totally just be able to achieve optimal health. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you, again. thank you Thank you. Thank you.